Thank you, Amanda. As Jake said, my name is Chris Love, and I'm excited to share with you the good news out of God's Word this morning. So even as we begin, would you pray with me? Father God, we praise you because you are alive and you are active. And you're here with us this morning as we worship you. We thank you, Lord God, that you still speak and that your good news is still good news. I pray, Father God, that you would just reveal yourself in your word this morning. Prepare our hearts for the truth that you have there for us. Break through the the boundaries of of our own selves, Lord God, and let your light shine through. We thank you, Lord God, that you are a God that makes things new. We pray these things, Father, in your holy name. Amen. So as we begin this morning, I want to, if I can, ask you a couple personal questions. Have you ever felt unfulfilled in your life? How about restless? How about dissatisfied? Or maybe, if we're honest with ourselves, have you ever felt, have we ever felt broken? And by the looks on your faces, I suspect that many of us, most of us, perhaps all of us, can identify with these things in some way. I mean, can't we all? Seriously, if you can't identify with these things in any place in your life, please come talk to me. I'd love to meet you. I'd love to hear about that. (laughs) But for the rest of us, don't we at times feel restless and unfulfilled? I mean, there are entire industries devoted to addressing this. Don't feel good about yourself on the outside? Buy some new clothes. Go to the gym. Start a new diet. Don't feel right on the inside. Browse through the self-help or self-improvement sections of a bookstore or a library. These feelings of being unsatisfied and unfulfilled are a big deal. And all of us experience them at some, at some level. For some, they might occur at such a fundamental level, such a base level, that we might not even realize that we're having those feelings. But for others of us, through life experience or through choices that we made or for things that have happened to us, they're right there at the forefront. Whatever our relationship with these things is, these feelings shape how we live our lives. They shape the choices that we make. We go to great lengths to try to address these feelings in our lives. Advertising preys on this to get us to buy more and more things with the promises that it's going to change our lives for the better. We have this hope that this next book, this next seminar, this next program might take away the nagging feeling that our lives are, I don't know, missing something. Now, why do I bring this up? It's kind of a bummer for a gloomy Sunday morning. But this summer, our church has been in the midst of a sermon series titled The Good News. And in this series, we've been looking at the very good news that is the gospel event. That God, in the person of Jesus, came to earth, died on the cross, and rose again from the, from the dead. This is very good news. News that is both very good and extraordinarily new. It's news that changes everything. News that impacts every aspect of our lives. And in order to understand the full extent of the beauty and the wonder that is this good news, we've been looking at it from various angles. God's Word describes the Gospel using metaphors to help us understand the news better. 
to see and know all the ways that God, that the gospel changes everything. And as we understand this good news, we see that part of what makes it so good is that it specifically addresses, addresses bad news that we've all experienced in our lives. And so into this context, we need to examine these feelings of being dissatisfied and unfulfilled. To do this, I want to ask two simple but related questions. First, where does our sense of restlessness come from? And second, are the things that we're doing to try to fix this restlessness working? So to the first question, where does our desire for self-improvement, where does this restlessness come from? Very simply, because we were created to know God and to be known by God. It might seem trite to say it, but it is very true that we have a God-shaped hole in our lives. Scott Anderson puts it this way, Within the hearts of everyone is created an intense desire for spiritual purpose, a longing, a yearning for meaning, a space, if you will, designed by God that can be filled only by God. Consider the beginning of chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians. We heard later in chapter 5 just this morning. Uh, just a few verses prior in the passage, we, uh, we see a beautiful, mysterious, and if I'm honest, a somewhat mixed up metaphor of our sense of rest restlessness. It says, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting with verse 1, says, For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed, clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. Because, we are clothed, we will, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. We were made to be in relationship with God. Because of this, we experience a void without God in our lives. This void causes this restless sense of unfulfillment. It leads our desire, it, it, it builds in us a desire to fix ourselves, to change ourselves. Taken to an extreme, we may take radical steps to fix our feelings of being incomplete. This leads some of us to question our very identities or to undergo cosmetic surgery in an attempt to change our bodies, to try and reconcile some inward image of ourselves with our outward appearance. Or we simply drown these feelings in drugs and alcohol in an attempt to make them go away. As we pursue these things, we come to the realization that we are not simply restless, dissatisfied, or unfulfilled. We're actually broken. So where does our restlessness come from? From the fact that we are all broken and in desperate need of fixing. Which leads us to our second question. Is it working? Are the things that we're doing to try to meet this restlessness and brokenness working? I think we can see that it isn't. If we want proof, look no further than the tragic headlines of the rich, successful celebrities who, who still take their own lives. Or consider the author of Ecclesiastes who sampled every pleasure and human endeavor only to conclude, meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. Our attempts to solve our dissatisfaction and unfulfillment aren't working. We can also see evidence in the fact that our pursuit of self-improvement 
is at least a $10 billion and growing per year industry. We continue to pursue new and different forms of fixing this problem. There's always a new flavor of the month. We seek after new possibilities for fixing this restless feeling of incompleteness, of brokenness. So are the things we're doing to try to fix this restlessness working? No. We continue to seek because we don't find the satisfaction that we're looking for. All the while, we try to fill this hole in our hearts with more and more things that aren't God. This is not to minimize our experience or feelings of incompleteness or brokenness. Pain, hurt, brokenness, suffering, these things are real. But the bad news is that we're unable to fully satisfy these deep longings. And in the process, we find disappointment. This is very bad news. And it's exhausting, isn't it? To be so focused on ourselves and our problems all the time, to be so aware of our own shortcomings, and to lack any sense of relief. This is bad news. We are restless, unfulfilled, dissatisfied, and broken, and we can't fix it. Thankfully, this is not the end of the story. Because of these things, Jesus came, he lived, and he died, and he rose again. And this, this is very good news. News that changes everything. In the words of St. Augustine, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds rest in you. What does this look like? How does the... how uh, is the gospel good news, good news that speaks into our desire to be whole? Let's look together this morning at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting with verse 11. Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope that it is also plain to your conscience. We're not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us, so that we you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Did you see it? The good news? It's all over this passage. But I want to first draw our attention to verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new has come. 
The old is gone, the new is here. This is exactly what we've been longing for. In Christ, we are not fixed, we are made new. Our old self is gone and the new is here. In Christ, we are made a new creation. Now perhaps you're thinking this morning, I've been burned before. I've been promised new and given disappointment instead. Is this really what it seems to be or is this just some other scam? I can understand where you're coming from. We don't have the best experience with new. I think it's because as humans, all we can do is rearrange and repurpose. We don't create, we build. And we embellish. We see this all the time in advertising. In a few months, we'll begin to see ads for the all-new 2019 cars. Buy the all-new 2019 Honda Accord. But we know the truth. It's not all new. It's not as though the 2019 model will be built out of unobtainium and run off of unicorn tears. No, it's a slightly different version of last year's car for slightly more money. Is this what we can expect from the new creation that we're promised? Just a slightly improved version of last year's us? No. This isn't Honda or Apple or any person's attempt at creating something new. This is God. God who spoke the world into being out of nothing. He's not reworking us. He's remaking us. This is good news. Rather than fixing the brokenness in our lives, God makes us new. But there's also a chance that you're sitting here this morning and thinking, yeah, right. You don't know me. You don't know what I've done, the mistakes that I've made. You don't know what's been done to me. The hurt that I've experienced. This can't be for somebody like me. Let's look back together at verses 14 and 15. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Jesus died for all. That means you too. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've experienced, no matter the mistake, the hurt, the suffering, the brokenness, the good news is that Christ in His infinite love died for all. For you. Let's look further. All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. God made him who had no sin be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus died so that God can reconcile himself back to you, to your sin, your brokenness, your mistakes. They won't be counted against you any longer. This is very good news. This is exactly what we've been longing for. It reminds me of an old home. As it ages, it begins to break down. Seeing the outward signs of age and decay, the owner tries something new to tidy it up. Maybe a new bathroom, a new, some new flooring, a new coat of paint. 
Meanwhile, the bones of the house are rotting from within. At some point, no amount of renovation or sprucing it it up is going to help. The only course of action is to tear it down and start new. That's what God has done in Christ. He hasn't just filled the void in our lives. He's transformed every part of us. This is the good news. Rather than fixing the brokenness in our lives, God makes us new. And we've seen it. We've experienced it. Lives transformed by an encounter with Jesus. God is powerful in transforming both those who seem to have it all together and those who seem to be a complete mess. In Jesus, God is making all things new. Paul, who wrote 2 Corinthians, is a prime example. By all accounts, he had it made. Hear Paul's own testimony from Philippians 3. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Paul's life wasn't fixed, it was transformed. He was made new by an encounter in Jesus. Paul went from persecuting Christians to championing Christ. How? God, through the work of the Son, Jesus, made Paul new. Or consider Rosaria Butterfield. She was a successful, tenured literature professor at Syracuse University. Her focus was on feminism and queer studies. She was in a long-term relationship with another woman. She had influence, the respect of her peers, and of students. But she was also restless and curious about God. She talks about her journey in her book, The Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert. Through a long and difficult process, God met her and transformed her. In her book, she shares the following prayer. That night I prayed and asked God if the gospel message was for someone like me too. I prayed that if Jesus was truly a real and risen God, he would change my heart. If he was real and I was his, I prayed that he would give me the strength of mind to follow him and the character to become a godly woman. I prayed for the strength of character to repent for a sin that at the time didn't feel like sin at all. It felt like life, plain and simple. I prayed that if my life was actually his life, that he would take it back and make it what he wanted it to be. I asked him to take it all, my sexuality, my profession, my community, my tastes, my books, and my tomorrows. And God answered that prayer. He filled her with the love of Jesus, and through her, God is at work to share the good news that in Christ, he is making us into new creations. Or consider Amor Sierra. God delivered her out of human sex trafficking, substance abuse, suicide, gender and sexuality confusion. God grabbed hold of her life and turned her around. Where once she was hostile towards God, she is now filled with the love of Jesus. Reflecting on God's work in her life, she shares... I felt like the scales were taken off and how these last nine years I just mocked God and God started showing me all the times I'd been abused and he was there hurting for me and how I hadn't died any of the times I should have. As a new creation, compelled by the love of Jesus, Amor now works to fight human trafficking. She also uses her highly acclaimed tattoo studio in Miami to erase the marks of human trafficking from her victims free of charge. And she and others hold a church service in her studio. And they welcome in the homeless, the addicted, the downtrodden. They share God's love with the least of these. 
and the news that God is making all things new by the power of His Son, Jesus. Friends, as amazing as these stories are, they are not unique. Many of us have our own amazing testimonies of the new creation that God has brought about in our lives. Good news that as as followers of Jesus, God has made us into new creations. That He's filled the deep, deep desire within us. A desire for fulfillment. To fix the void in our lives. By the grace of God and through the work of Jesus, we are an improved, we are made new. He hasn't just filled the void in our hearts. He's made our whole selves new. This means more than we can possibly imagine. As followers of Jesus, God has and will make us new. This is a present and a future reality. This is good news. And as we look back in 2 Corinthians 5, I want to draw out two aspects of our new creation-ness. One of the things that can come out of our feelings of dissatisfaction and unfulfillment is a deep focus on ourselves, on our own needs. And over time, this can warp and change from self-awareness into selfishness. Aware of our own longing, hurt, and pain, and unable to see much else, and driven to try to fix it, to make those feelings go go away. So what becomes of this tendency as we follow Christ? Paul explains in verses 14 and 15 of 2 Corinthians 5. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. As new creations, we no longer live for ourselves but are compelled by the love of Christ. Where once we had our eyes fixed on ourselves, now we have our eyes fixed on Jesus. This brings about radical transformation in our lives. It meets the very need and desire in our hearts. It takes the focus off of ourselves and places it on Jesus. What a huge relief. But I don't want us to be confused this morning. It doesn't mean that our lives will be easier once we follow Jesus. It's true that Jesus is the only answer to the void in our hearts, but it doesn't mean that following Jesus is easy. Instead, the opposite will likely be true. New creation doesn't come easy. To be made new, the old must go away. Here's what Galatians has to say about this. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. How does our old self, the one that was sinful, dissatisfied, unfulfilled, selfish, and broken, go away? It has to be crucified. The old self has to die. To be put to death. But as new creations, we no longer live for ourselves, but but are compelled by the love of Christ. But the life we live in Christ isn't our own. To follow Christ means our old self has to die, and this is a hard process. In the introduction to her book, Rosaria Butterfield explains, in the pages that follow, I share what happened in my private world through what Christians politely call conversion. This word, conversion, is simply too tame and too refined to capture the train wreck that I experienced in coming face to face with the living God. I know of only one word to describe this time-released encounter impact. 
Impact is, I believe, the space between the multiple car crash and the body count. I try in the pages that follow to relive the impact of God in my life. Sounds kind of terrible, doesn't it? Why do it? Because as hard as it is, it's exactly what we need. Where once we were helpless, broken, and restlessly self-focused, God has made a way for us to be new. To take our eyes off of ourselves and to fix them on Jesus. And to take our pain and hurt and brokenness and feelings of being incomplete and to make them new by the power of His Son, Jesus. As new creations, we no longer live for ourselves but are compelled by the love of Christ. This isn't easy news. This is hard news. But it is good news. Our search is over. So now what? If our old selves were focused on ourselves and our pursuits were for ourselves, what are we to do now? What are our lives supposed to look like? If we're compelled by the love of Christ, what are we compelled to do? Look back at 2 Corinthians 5. All this from God, who gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He has committed us to the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as as though God were making his appeal through us. Compelled by the love of Christ, we can share the good news and invite people to be reconciled to God. This means we get to share our stories, to tell others the amazing work that God has done in our lives, to share how God has made us new, how God has transformed our restlessness into rest in Him, transformed our focus from ourselves and placed it on Him. As new creations, we are given a purpose to share the good news. Because this is good news. Good news that changes everything. Good news that demands a response. Through Christ, God has and is making all things new. If this is news to you this morning, if you're hearing this from the first, for the first time, we would encourage you to talk to one of us. Find somebody with a white name tag. Find a friendly face in, in the pew next to you. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to walk alongside you as you meet Jesus. You see, the good news of the gospel is not just that we have been made into new creations. Last week we were reminded that as followers of Jesus, we've been welcomed into the body of Christ, the church. As followers of Christ, we've been adopted into a family. And as the church, we have the privilege to walk alongside one another, to encourage one another to challenge one another, and to remind one another of our new creationness. And this doesn't end when we become followers of Christ. The truth is, if we're honest, followers of Christ feel dissatisfied and unfulfilled as well. Why? Because while we have been made new in Christ, we're also being made new. It is both a present and a future reality. And we forget. We forget that we're made new. And when we do, we easily turn back to our old selves, to our restlessness, to our sin. So what do we do about this? We have to remind one another of the good news. Remind one another that we are made new. 
Brothers and sisters, if you don't have somebody in your life to remind you of the good news regularly, who can challenge you in the ways that you're drawn away from your new self and back towards your old self, you need that in your life. You need to be walking alongside other believers and reminding them as well. Do you know how powerful that is? Do you know how vital that is? This is God's good plan. That as the body of Christ, we're able to affirm the the gospel, the good news to one another. Because when we have the courage to humbly be honest with one another about our struggles, we have the opportunity to be reminded anew of the good news. It is transforming. So let me plead with you this morning. If this is not part of your life, would you pursue it? Join a small group or a one-on-one relationship or a triad with a focus on accountability. In that relationship, begin to confess your sins to one another and into that humble, honest admission of your pain and brokenness, be transformed as you remind one another of the good news of the gospel that your old self is dead. That in Christ you are a new creation. Encourage one another. Pray for one another and pray that God would put you into opportunities to share the good news. Can I tell you, it is so good and it is so important and it is so part of what God has planned for His church. Part of our role as ministers of reconciliation is to affirm the good news in those around us. If you're missing that in your life, would you come talk to me? Would you come talk to one of us? Would you please make that part of your life? You aren't meant to walk alone. Rather than fixing the brokenness in our life, God makes us new. And now, compelled by the love of Christ, we are given a purpose to share the good news. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Praise Jesus. Let's live as new creations. Let's allow our hearts to be compelled by the love of Christ. Let's be ministers of reconciliation to a world that so desperately needs it. And let's be the body of Christ for one another and remind one another of the good news of the gospel. Let's pray.